Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm Ben, and with me here today is none other than my favorite Canadian, Dave. Good evening. Dave's over here looking like Giga Chad with his uh, chiseled jaw and his very masculine, rugged beard. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Would you like a sideburn update? Uh, Yes. yes. After I introduce Brandon, the most glorious ginger, (laughs) whose beard is red, and that's about all I'm going to say about it. That's fair enough. I, you know, I will forego my introduction if I can learn about these sideburns, to be (laughs) honest with you. So I'm completely fine with that, Dave. Take it away. Well, uh, my uh, idiocy has been confirmed because the the growth is healthy. We've got uh, some penetration below the ear line on the left Mm -hmm. side. Um, So we got some healthy growth there. So I'm not losing my hair. I was actually just accidentally shaving my head slowly in the shower. So we're good. Yeah, problem wow. solved that's insane i feel good yep you look good too dave thanks my face is warm hmm. interesting <laughs> that's one thing that people always ask me they're like oh how do you keep your beard in the wet in the summer and i'm like it's just i've had it for so long i would i don't notice the difference yeah or you know that i don't really feel any warmer than i ever do any other time yeah and i think the thing that dave mentioned before about the like itchiness and the uncomfortableness uh-huh. i feel like I don't know, since I don't shave very often, at some point it just stopped bothering me altogether. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, I don't. I remember that phase, but it was a very long time ago. So I, that's one reason, another reason I'll never shave my beard, other than the fact that I am uh, probably look much different than I did before I had a beard, but also uh, just the fact that I can't, I'll never want to grow it again if I have to go through the itchiness. Well, what's upsetting... Di- for me, Dave, is that you have a great jawline. And so you don't necessarily need the facial hair to kind of compensate for your lack of genetics. Um, I'm on the other side of that stick. So (laughs) just be thankful that you can grow a beard and you have something beautiful underneath because we're not all that lucky. I don't think I've ever seen your naked jaw. Either of you are pictures or nothing. You will not. It's a mystery. Yeah. My, my wife has never seen me without a beard. So Legend shaved, tell. I might get divorced. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I don't think she married me for my looks anyway. But, you know, it is what it is. This is the HP Podcast brought to you by HandsomePhantom.com, especially our patrons over at Patreon.com slash HandsomePhantom. We appreciate you. And, uh, 
thank you for making the show possible. Uh, also, you can join us over on Discord at handsomefandom.com slash Discord. We appreciate that. If you are a patron, you can connect your accounts and get a special role in the Discord and, and chat a little bit here and there. We had a great uh, time trying to get Brandon to succumb to his Gran Turismo 7 FOMO last week in the Discord. So yeah, thanks that, thanks to everyone who participated in that. It didn't work, but uh, it was fun nonetheless. Yes, yes. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, let's talk about some some news, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure what to talk about first, but let, let's start off with Elden Ring because our, our show was like mostly about Elden Ring last week i I feel like at least i think that we even named it after that um i don't remember because we didn't discuss it but anyway this comes directly from ign uh actually first brandon there there was an article you had told me about um the fact that uh elden ring had a stronger second week than normal like there was not a big drop off at least on steam and everything yeah no it was it was very similar to the week one which typically we're we're seeing numbers fall off within a week or so but week two um it came out with a really strong player count i think the one time i looked it was like nine hundred and fifty three thousand the second weekend which is pretty good Mm -hmm. on steam alone so that's why that's insane yeah. yeah that's insane uh, well, and that kind of explains this article that comes from IGN. It says, Elden Ring publisher raises all employee salaries in Japan. Uh, quote, Elden Ring publisher Bandai Namco has informed its Japanese staff that they will receive a pay increase from this April. The average monthly salary will be increased by 50,000 yen. Announced to staff on February 28th, the publisher said in the press release, Bandai Namco Entertainment will increase the ratio of basic salary to annual income from April 2022 with the aim of improving working conditions by stabilizing employee income. We will introduce a new compensation system that raises the basic salary by an average of 50,000 yen per month for all employees. In addition, the salary will be raised from 232,000 yen per month to 290,000 yen per month. Uh, And I think, let me double check here, that ends up being... It's like $4,000. it's 430 a month. So yeah, it's about five grand a year, Uh, which, you know, you're like, Oh, uh, you're making millions. Yeah, they are. But like, that's a lot A 430 bucks extra a month in your pocket. Uh, Yeah. uh, I think that's pretty good. Hell yeah, dude. So first of all, that's awesome. The thing I was thinking about though, as I was reading this, I was like, Hmm, I wonder what from's arrangement was with them because clearly, you know, from like, Oh, you know, Bandai published the game, but from made the game. And I'm wondering like, what their deal was obviously we won't know the details of that but like did from do a deal where they pay for part of it and then they get reimbursed after that fact or or whatever the case is uh so i'm wondering how the employees at from feel after seeing the news that elden ring got a huge boost right um, i don't know i don't know it, it can be kind of tricky with those publisher deals sometimes yeah to be honest with you ben hearing this is good just because i feel like what's important about it is that the pay increase is coming very soon after the success. Yes. Um, typically within these bureaucratic systems, it's like they have a good year and then next year they get a 4% raise. So to hear that within months there was a, an increase in pay really does show to me in some way um, that regardless of the sales numbers being exceptionally more than predicted, um, at least it was immediate and receptive um, yeah. as far as you know the employer's side. So. Yeah, there's pretty much a very obvious indication immediately that this game was going to perform well. I mean, right. all the all of the um, uh, the reviews and all the you know the people playing it and loving it, and the, obviously the numbers are insane right now too. 
Dave, does this mean an Elden Ring too? Are we going to get it? Probably. I mean, I all we know for sure what it means is if you're a video game developer and you'd like a raise, all you have to do is put out a game that gets 40 perfect scores and averages over 300,000 viewers on Twitch for the first two weeks of release. <laughs> that's it. That's all you got to do. That's Now you know. That's the answer. It's that easy. Um, yeah, I mean, From is, is weird and, uh, you know, they... I don't know if this necessarily nails down an Elden Ring too. It, I, it, I think what it definitely means is, you know, that their their next game, whether it be a sequel or just they want to go do Sekiro two or or you know the Bloodborne sequel that everybody's been pining over. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, is going to sell like gangbusters. And I mean, as good as the reception was, we haven't seen sales numbers. We have seen Twitch numbers. We've seen, obviously, as Brandon mentioned, the concurrent players. The real question is going to be, is is this going to be the game that From Software uses to penetrate that casual audience? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's... yeah, They'll I think they, them all right. <laughs> I think they've slowly done that over, over you know, the course of all the releases throughout the years. But, uh, you know, it's, it's still kind of a niche, hardcore game. And then the question is, is you know, can this sell like an Assassin's Creed game? Um, only time will tell. And uh, right. But it's nice to see that that uh, From went ahead and, and did this race thing before we even uh, have full clarity on that, at least from our perspective. So time will tell, I suppose. The thing I found really interesting over the last couple of weeks watching this game and people talking about it on social media and discords and stuff like that is the amount of people who bought it just because of the hype. And they're like, I hate from games like this is awful i I hate it but i mean there are equally as many people probably who have never played a from game and bought it and are loving it but it does kind of make me a little bit sad that people just bought it because of the hype and didn't really know what kind of game it was uh and are experiencing uh, a difficulty unlike they've ever seen before (laughs) i seem to recall that that happened with bloodborne too is like sony marketed as as this like um dark fantasy uh gothic like hack and slash game and people once again didn't realize what from games were really like and they picked it up thinking it was going to be like this cool god of war style thing and then it was not that at all right (laughs) so i mean what i really want to see is i want to see the total sales numbers on any platform and then i want to see the amount of people that actually beat market because that's going to be that'll show you how many people actually bailed on the game early well no dude i I was seeing things today like not final numbers, and I want to look them up for myself, but a very shockingly low percentage should be the first boss. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's a, I think there's a flip side to this coin, though, boys. Because, like, how do you market this game? Yeah, that's a good point. If what you've you never go- played a From game, you're not going to really understand it at all. What are you going to come out and say? Like, like literally, is it going to be the headline? This game is hard as shit. Like, <laughs> you will die 600 times. Like... I think it's a lose-lose no matter what. I mean, at what point is it on the back of the consumer to do even an ounce of research? I know it's very different than your typical hack and slash, and there is a role to be played within these companies to convey what the product is, but what do you say? How would you say that, guys? I don't know. I don't I don't have any idea how you market this game. Wasn't the tagline for one of their previous games, Prepare to Die? Maybe that, that sounds was, right. Probably. That a different game. I mean, that's... <laughs> What more can you do there is just to say, hey, you're going to die a lot in this <laughs> yeah. game. So just Ser- pack your patience. Seriously. But it, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, in a in an industry where, you know, the, the biggest selling games in, in those casual markets are either mobile or, 
their big open world games like Horizon and, and Ubisoft games. It's this is a jarring experience. But again, I, I'm really curious to see if this can if this can change that at least to some degree. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, dude. I mean, honestly, when I see people like Doctor Disrespect playing a game like this extensively for hours on stream, like like big names like this, ones that usually try and stick to the mainstream games, Call right. of Duty stuff like that. It kind of feels like even if it doesn't break into the mainstream with this one, it's getting much closer. Sure. Much, much closer with this right. iteration. And I mean, I know we haven't seen the final sales numbers, but we talked last week about the UK sales numbers and they were very good. So. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the UK is usually a pretty good indication of how the US is going to go. I mean, right. you generally see there's there's some sort of ratio there that people can can extrapolate from, I'm sure based on past performance and everything. So, right. well, much props to them. I'm sure this is not the end. And I would imagine that because there are so many new people playing this game, people are going to want to go back and play their other games. Now, I personally think that people who expect the same thing from their other games are going to be sorely disappointed because we know that other From games are not at all open world in any sense of the word, which is probably one of the reasons why this game is doing so well. But if you end up liking that kind of combat and you really enjoy the difficulty, I'm sure there's some appreciation to be gained from previous titles in the series. Well, not series, but previous titles from From. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, congrats to From and Elden Ring and Bandai and everything. They've definitely got a hit on their hands, and I'm sure we will see much more. The thing I'm excited about is From's not going to have any difficulty finding a publisher, finding funding, finding anything for the near future. And even though I've not played most of their games, I've played a few and, and really enjoyed them. Um, I really love seeing developers who are doing good work get rewarded. And I think that's what we're seeing here. So a new era for From, maybe. We'll see. Hopefully yeah. they just don't like try to mass market their game. I don't think they're going to after after seeing the success of this game. But Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's... Their games aren't mostly mass appealing. So I don't right. know. They exactly. would have to completely shift their paradigm. Sekiro is probably the one that I feel like was most mass appealing. And even it is a little bit, you know, not approachable. I love your cat, Dave. He's, 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 he's just talking away. It's, I don't mind. It's adorable. It's he's, if, he's been quietly like watching and listening to the show. I saw him standing back there. Now he he wants to. He he's got opinions on the he, game has, industry. Has your cat played any of Elden Ring at all? Yeah, he's terrible at it. Though. He's, he's not really a from. Guy. He's not really a from guy. I'll Did just you tell him, him get good? Kid. Yeah, get opposable thumbs, dickhead. <laughs> right. <laughs> the next story here is that Epic Games has purchased Bandcamp. Now, that's surprising for a lot of reasons, obviously, but let's just uh, just read this Twitter post from Bandcamp directly. It says, quote, I'm excited to announce that Bandcamp is joining Epic Games, you may know us as the you may who you may know as the makers of Fortnite and Unreal Engine and champions for a fair and open internet. Bandcamp will keep operating as a standalone standalone marketplace and music community and I will continue to lead our team. The products and services you depend on aren't going anywhere. We'll continue to build Bandcamp around our artist's first revenue model where artists net an average of 82% of every sale. Artists will still have the same control over how they offer music. Bandcamp Fridays will continue as planned and the daily will keep highlighting the diverse, amazing music on the site. However, behind the scenes, we're working with Epic to expand internationally and push development forward across Bandcamp from basics like our album pages, mobile apps, merch tools, payment system, and search and discovery features to newer initiatives like our vinyl pressing and live streaming services. Since our founding in 2008, we've been motivated by the pursuit of our passion, which is to help spread the healing power of music by building a community where artists thrive through the direct support of their fans. Yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, they mentioned that they've they've paid out to artists and labels over a billion dollars to date. Uh, and they've had offers before and stuff like that and turned them down. And that letter came from Ethan Diamond, the, the co-founder and CEO of Bandcamp. Now, I have had some experience with Bandcamp, either buying artists' works and stuff on there that I like. I've also supported people who were not musicians and who just did fundraising through Bandcamp. Dave, what do you think the play is here? Why does Epic, does Epic have a, a purpose in mind for buying Bandcamp? Or is it just, hey, let's diversify your income. Let's make money elsewhere. Um, it's, I mean, they bought harmonics. Does that have anything to do with this? Was um, it? it seems like it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but I'm also thinking about this, this growing NFT industry. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with this. So, I mean, it's, uh, something's going on with Epic and, and music and, 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 you know, monetizing creative sort of works. So um, I can't help but think the harmonics thing is linked somehow. Um, obviously, selfishly, I hope it's something gaming related. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely head scratching because these are this definitely looks like Epic is trying to diversify itself somehow. So it'll right. be interesting to see where this all goes. But uh, yeah, I'll just throw the NFTs things in there for sake of arguments because, you know, I don't know if that really works uh, with Bandcamp, but, um, you know, these are creative pieces in a creative industry. So that could be part of it. But yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's certainly true. Brandon, what do you think? What do you think it's got to do with anything? I don't know, man. It's very strange. I don't have much experience with Bandcamp. Um, A very limited view as far as that goes. But I'm wondering if a couple of these game studios are picking up on something music-wise that we aren't in the industry. I mean, we look at Rockstar taking on some music. Yeah, um, they just they formed a label, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. They just started their own record label. Um, we have Epic buying harmonics, like Dave said. Um, and now this, it just makes me wonder, you have some of these giants being very interested in the way you know music works and maybe acquiring different companies that are more familiar with music specifically. And it just makes me think maybe I'm missing something in there in the end. Um, what that is, I don't know, but right. just interesting of note. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting for sure. I'm wondering if they're, you know, if they're hiring Bandcamp to to provide music and and uh, you know if they bought Bandcamp to maybe if you put a an album on Bandcamp now, Epic has exclusive rights to using it for however they see fit. Uh, of course, you, I'm sure they'd compensate, but um, you know that they'll be able to source good music from there without worrying about other things. And then maybe they got harmonics to help implement it, and then they have Fortnite to help you do concerts in Fortnite. Yeah, like well, could, could could the Epic Game Store become like the Epic Media Store, and maybe they sure. start actually selling music on there or something? Yeah. It's and I mean, to be honest, isn't Bandcamp a much more accessible way to get your music out there? I think it is for newer artists, for sure, um, or even established artists. But it helps people like, you know, I've bought artists from friends who had them on band, or artists. I've bought albums from friends who had them on Bandcamp. I didn't really care about the music, but it was like, hey, I can go here and pay what I want and help support them. Right. And really, it's just a, a funnel to give them money and make you know help everybody likes to feel accomplished so it helps you feel a little more accomplished when somebody's buying your your work rather than handing you 10 bucks or whatever right so i definitely think that's part of it for sure yeah interesting yeah i just wonder i really do wonder if harmonics plays into this in some way um 
what Dave said is very interesting, the media gallery. Um, imagine in such a way where you could search up things from Bandcamp in a harmonics game. You could have your music in a harmonics game. I don't know. A lot of things are spinning around in my head. Um, I'm not sure what it all means, but it's definitely food for thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, continuing on the the trail, we, we deviated there for a minute, but um, of sales and, and success, Sifu has topped 1 million sales in three weeks. Uh, this comes from gamesradar.com. It says, quote, Sifu has surpassed 1 million sales in three weeks, according to developer Slowclap. Slowclap revealed the news as well as some interesting statistics in a press release. We are thrilled by the perception of Sifu from both fans and press alike, said Slowclap executive producer Pierre Tarno. We set out to create an authentic kung fu action game that paid homage to the favorite to our favorite kung fu films since the game dropped on february 8th for pc and ps5 players have logged over 10 million hours of game time additionally over 45 percent of players have made it past the game's punishing second level and from there over 150,000 managed to beat yang at the end of the game so this is uh pretty insane for this you know pretty basically an indie game to come out of nowhere and do so well it got tons of uh tons of attention um probably got some funding as well i'd say from from sony so they must have seen something promising here i don't think any of the three of us have checked out uh any of sifu but it looks for it to be so successful it looks pretty punishing honestly yeah another kind of situation where maybe people were just seeing something new and and pumped up and they really enjoyed it but i know a lot of people have bailed on this game what are are you guys hearing on the streets out there Uh, i don't know I've heard it was very difficult um, in some ways. I think the way you progress through the game from what I've seen is really interesting. The the age concept and dying, aging, all that. Right. Um, but did you just say that not many people have beat the game or they were surprised at how many people had beaten the game? Uh, they said 45% of players had made it past the, the second level, which is where I understand it really ramps up the difficulty. Um, okay. And then 150,000 people have beat the, the end of the game. That's 150,000 out of three or out of 1 million, which is over 10%. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's I guess probably that's... a good rate for yeah. most games, let alone a really tough game, a but I don't know. Game. Yeah. Hmm. I don't yeah, know what the trophy percentages look cert- like. It, I, for one, I think they got the timing perfectly because, I mean, everybody going into the, the first half of this new year knew that it was jam-packed with some good stuff. So mm-hmm. I think people's hype levels were building and they just kind of snuck it in right before Horizon there. Yeah. Um, you know, it had a lot of good attention leading up and it's always great to see an indie game like this have this kind of success. So it's, um, you know, it's it's great to see. And, uh, they you know, they've already made their money back and then some. It's it's cool too to kind of look at this kind of experience uh, at the same time as, as all of us are playing uh, Elden Ring because I mean it's it's a similar kind of game except it has a much more sink or swim um, approach where it's like these are the game mechanics this is what you have to learn if you don't you're not going to get very far whereas you know you look at something like Elden Ring and it's it's like if if you don't get it now go do something else get stronger right. get better and then come back so. Um, with all the difficulty um, and sort of approachability discourse, it's kind of funny to bring up Sifu at this point. Um, it's one I don't I don't know about you guys, but I, I would personally like to go back and check it out, just mostly for the visual style because that's something that really kind of jumped out to me. I probably would be one of those those people who would not get past the first level though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. quit there. It's a but, game I want to go back to, or I'd like to play. I wanted to play it when it came out, but I just had too much else on my plate. I knew Horizon was coming out. And I thought, you know, let's just um, 
let's just wait on this one. Not that I'm necessarily waiting for a sale or anything. It's just I didn't have the uh, the energy to try to fit another game in there. And I, if I buy a game and start it, like if I buy a game, I have to start it. And if I start it and don't finish it, I don't usually come back to it. So that's why I try to play one like story-based game and one ongoing game or living game or whatever you want to call it at the time. Yeah, and this this may actually play into that sort of marketing piece, but you could actually, and, and this might have been part of the reason why this game sold so well for an indie game, but like it came out, people were like, this game is hard. Like if you can play this game and you can beat it, like you're really, really good. It worked for Cuphead. It's mm-hmm. probably working for Elden Ring uh, to, to some extent. So right. that that in itself, and I mean, maybe that that goes back to your question earlier, Brandon, about how do you market games like this? Well, just tell people you can't beat it. Right. Challenge right. accepted, right? Yeah, yeah no, exactly. No, that's smart. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to go back and play this game. Like I said, it looks really interesting. I'm glad to see that they've had some success. Um but I probably won't get to it for a while if I'm just going to be honest with myself. It's just been real busy, so. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's keep on that train. We'll talk about another one, Lost Ark. Uh, this is a game that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'll just read this. It's from mynewsdesk.com. It says Amazon Games and Smilegate, Smilegate's RPG Lost Ark surpasses 20 million global users. Uh, quote, Amazon Games and Smilegate recently announced that Lost Ark, the free-to-play massively multiplayer online action role-playing game, has exceeded 20 million global users. In the first three days after launching in the West, more than 4.7 million new users joined the player community, and currently more than 10 million of Lost Arcs come Lost of Lost Arcs come from North America, Europe, South America, and Australia. Uh, Lost Ark continues to be one of the most critically acclaimed games worldwide, with an aggregate score of 83 on OpenCritic and 81 on Metacritic. For the game's massive open world and quest, detailed battle system, and excellent visuals, the highest number of concurrent units users was 1.32 million, Ooh, wait. which is the second highest in Steam history. Uh, Brandon, I know you haven't because of the PC situation. Dave, have you checked out Lost Ark? I know you watch a lot of streams, too. I got really close once, uh, and I saw that you had downloaded it. I don't know if you've, you played anymore, but yeah, this game looked rad. Again, um, I'll sort of go to the flip side of the Sifu thing. I, ca- I think it came out for me personally at the wrong time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, free to play. You can't go wrong. A really popular game like this, you also can't go wrong. So it's it's definitely on my radar. Yeah, I I got it and I I downloaded it and I started playing it and I like made it through the initial tutorial and character design. I spent like an hour designing my character or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? 
I know I'm going to get sucked into this and I really need to be doing something else right now. I think I was like actually editing at the time and I was like, I need to get out of this right now so I can go back to work. And I just haven't gotten back to it. It's something that I feel like I could play a little bit more of, but it it didn't even hook me as much as like New World did. Yeah, I was going to say this. This is an MMO similar to New World, right? It's similar. It's not. It's more like Diablo. Yeah, yeah. It's it, more like Diablo. Yeah, visually. Yeah. From, okay. With and really hot, with really hot characters, everybody's yeah. super Hell good looking yeah. in the game. Everybody, yeah, men about. and women alike. So um, I, I was enjoying the tutorial at least, and then I just decided that it wasn't the right time for me to play it. But hey, it's free to play, and I can hop back in anytime I want. So we'll see if I do or not. Well, who knows? But yeah, yeah. Of the two, I think I'd like um, New World better. The active combat seems to be more my style. Yes, that is exactly what I was going to say. I am much more on that um, on that trajectory as well. I really enjoyed. I played probably sixty hours of New World over the course of a couple months and liked it a lot. But again, it, it, that's one of those games where I feel like if you sit out for a couple weeks and you miss on some, like you know, there's wars going on and factions are changing, or you know, locations are changing factions and hands and everything. And I feel like if it's um, if you don't stick with it, it kind of you, I, I feel left out. So yeah. I feel like, well, I don't want to go back and catch up. So yeah. that's the, the FOMO part for me. I don't know that that's the right way to feel. It's just the way I usually feel. Um, but it's definitely the one if I was going to go back to one of them, if you told me pick one to play tonight, I'd say I have to go back to New World because of just I like the combat better. But I love the, the old Diablo fashion, too. So. I, I could really get into Lost Ark. We'll see. But the the thing I think is really interesting, both of these are Amazon published games. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just thinking that are they both are from Amazon? Yes. Good for that's them. Yep. Wow, they're really putting out some heat. That's getting some numbers, man. That's insane. They really are. Yep. All right, moving on, and uh, this is not really too much to talk about, but we just have a little. It's just a little announcement here. We've got the state of play from, obviously, from PlayStation coming tomorrow as we record this. So today is the 8th. It's starting tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern, which is where we all are. Uh, this comes directly from the PlayStation blog. Quote, a new state of play is upon us. Join us this Wednesday, March 9th at 5 Eastern for new reveals and eye-catching updates for PS5 and PS4 titles. We won't have any updates on PlayStation VR 2 titles or hardware this broadcast. The show is clocking in around 20 minutes, give or take, with a special focus on highlighting great games coming from some of our beloved Japanese publishers. Then we'll have a few updates from other developers located around the world, too. And they tell you how to, how to watch it and everything like that. Guys, Dave, you first. What are we going to see? None of, uh, none of the three of us are really Japanese game players well, by much. Yeah, I mean, if... if... If if I was reading this on Sunday, I would have said a hundred percent forespoken because it was the next mm. one that was coming. But yeah, it's from Square Enix. Of course, it's now delayed into uh, October now. It's too bad, but I mean, it's th- that's not a huge delay. Um, I don't know. I, I want to say this new Final Fantasy game that we haven't heard of for a really long time, but I don't know if that would just be relegated to a state of play. Um, yeah, it's really anybody's guess. I'm, I'm really hoping the, um, you know, they're going to show off some stuff from some non-Japanese uh, publishers and developers. I want to see Stray. Like, I really want to oh, see yeah. Stray. <laughs> yeah. And that's from Annapurna. So, right. um, yeah, I don't know if that one will get stuck in there, but uh, that's a game I'm really looking forward to. Myself and my cat, because he'll actually be good good at that game. Um, <laughs> right. He's he's like my he's like my game guide for that one. But do the yeah, thumbs I, cause your cat a problem? Like not having the thumbs is that an issue? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just do, do, once dual analog came into the gaming industry, he was he was out of luck. Out maybe of luck. maybe he can just like sit beside you and give you tips on what the cat would do next. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what I'm thinking with Stray. It's more, but, more of a co-op experience, sir. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm 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 really sort of at a loss of what uh, what what we're gonna see tomorrow. So yeah, I'm I think both Final Fantasy would be my wild card, and I hope we see Stray. So yeah, absolutely. I'll, Honestly, I don't have a great guess, but my only guess is that something from Atlas. I wouldn't mind seeing something from Atlas. Yeah. Um, I think Persona 5 and Royal have been out for a little bit now. Um, I would honestly like to see them put out something that was pretty similar to 5, um, just slightly newer. Sure, um, sure. So, you know, you don't have to go through all an insane amount of work. And I know they like putting a lot of detail into their games. Um, and that's like a, a staple of pride for them. But if they could release them quicker, um, I think they would honestly come out with some success. Um, and people would enjoy just getting new iterations. So sure. love to see something from Atlas. Absolutely. All right, the next piece we're going to get into, and this might be the final news piece, or maybe it's not even news, it's just a discussion. Uh, obviously, it's hard to like exist in the world right now without knowing about the uh, uh, Russian-Ukrainian conflict and the, the war that's going on there and, and Russia attacking Ukraine. Um, but we're not going to talk about that necessarily. We're going to talk about how that's affecting the games industry. And we know that like uh, the folks developing Stalker 2, they're located right in the capital city of ukraine and so like they're some of them are literally fighting in this war right now and so the game's obviously delayed and who knows maybe it'll never come out maybe it'll maybe it'll be a while before it comes out who knows but so it's affecting it in that way it's affecting it in the way that you know there are people who rely on there's a lot of there's actually a lot of ukrainian developers out there there are some russian developers out there too uh that we see games from come through here and there what i wanted to talk about was that almost everybody in the games industry is pulling their uh, the ability for their games to be purchased played for uh, uh updates whatever um in russia and i just want to talk about like we've got uh fifa 22 ha no longer has the russian clubs or players uh from the russian teams uh ea has removed the um removed it entirely uh, activision blizzard's no longer sell selling games in russia nintendo is not allowing for payments to be made in russia um gran turismo 7 that just came out is not available in russia and i have a few thoughts on this i'll let you guys go first but how does this what does this do what what does it what does it do for the industry what does it do for the awareness what does it do for the russian or ukrainian people um go Dave, you first. We'll start with you. Well, I, I mean, if you wanted to get into uh, Counter-Strike competitive multiplayer, now's a good time to do it because all the <laughs> Russians are offline. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. It's it's sort of like, you know, the the gamers in Russia weren't the ones who, who decided to put Ukraine in this situation. So, I mean, we're seeing this in so many different... Um, in, in so many different aspects of the world right now where, you know, Russia is just being clamped. Like you can't watch Netflix right now in Russia. So like that really sucks. But 99% of the people who watch Netflix in Russia have nothing to do with this. So I kind of feel for just, you know, the regular Joe Schmo in Russia who wants to play video games and wants to play the brand new Gran Turismo and, and all that kind of stuff and, and is having to go through this. So I don't know if, if, yeah, I, I I don't know where it goes from here, but um, 
I get why it's happening, but I also think it's it's like like if you don't pull your product from Russia, like is the world going to look at you and say, you know, you're you're on Russia's side of this conflict? Well, they have been, yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. It's people just... are like lambasting uh, Coca Cola and McDonald's and stuff like that. Who those are all franchises anyway, but yeah, McDonald's not, like, they shut down in Russia now too. Oh, so they did. Okay. Yeah, but so I yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really conflicted on the whole thing, and uh, yeah, because I think the people who have nothing to do with this are paying the price. So right, it really sucks. I think from a sales and industry perspective, like you know, I I don't pe- think publishers really look to, to, to Russia as a massive bastion of sales for their game. So I don't think it's a big deal there, but it still kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, for what do you think? Brandon? Yeah. yeah. I'm honestly kind of with Dave. Um, I understand the difficult position socially that this puts on everybody on either side. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm mostly with Dave. Uh, I think that the people that will be affected the most are the ones that have the least effect on the overall situation. Um, and that just sucks as someone who appreciates video games and could empathize with them being taken from you um, or not being able to purchase them. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't... How do you get things to change? You, you, you know, you started from the bottom, but I don't know. I just keep right. going... I just keep going back to... Yeah, not everyone has a say in everything and it just sucks. All right. of it sucks, so... I, yeah, I agree. The people who are being punished are not the people who uh, are probably <laughs> I mean, causing the, any of this. Unless Putin is like 3,000 hours into Steam a month, <laughs> then then I would understand. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's the case, probably. But uh, the the really are there even 3,000 hours in a month? I don't even know. I have to do that math anyway. He, he could probably pull it off, though, dude. Dude, dude, he was former KGB. <laughs> he could definitely, even if there isn't three thousand months, three thousand hours in a month, he he would he would somehow do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I agree. I think it's punishing the wrong people, but there's a couple aspects to this. One, it does it is a sign of support. I mean, there's a in our local town, there's a bar that stopped selling Russian liquor because the founders of that bar were Ukrainian, and while it doesn't actually do anything other than maybe raise awareness. It is a way for that individual bar owner to show their support and to raise awareness and stuff like that. And so I think that's good if you want to show support. Um, I think it is possibly it could create, you know, more like all of a sudden, you, you know, you're watching Netflix and you're, you're in Russia and all of a sudden you can't watch it anymore. And you're like, hmm, I wonder why I should go figure out why I can't watch Netflix right now. And then you realize that all the the state news that you're seeing is you know potentially propaganda and you start to research the issue and you become a little more enlightened and maybe there's a rebellion or or whatever and so maybe it does help create some of that in the consumers brains that it allows them to have a moment to question things because i think you're right dave that most of the people in russia do not want this most of the military is conscripted and you know are not willingly fighting a war and so it it does cause a lot of um, that, that they don't want this either. Uh, and clearly they're being punished in a much different way uh, for someone else's desires and actions. So I think it can be good, but I overall think it doesn't do anything. Now I'm not saying they should keep it there. I think it is a good, a good sign of uh, support for Ukraine. I think it's more of a, a support to Ukraine than it is a punishment to Russia, uh, whether that's their intention or not. I don't know, but um, it's a, it's a fascinating Su- subject uh and i think that 
probably there is a little bit of performance there too. I don't, I don't want to assume the worst of anybody, but it's really hard when all your peers around you are saying, look at this thing we're doing. Uh, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. And you don't do that. You know, how's that going to look on you? So like there has to be a little bit of performative in it, but I think for the most part, it's good intentions, even if it's not actually terribly effective. I, I don't know. It, Dude. We won't know for a while, for a while or until we talk to some Russians. Right. And I think it's crazy that at some point in history, we're going to f- be reading in a book that Netflix shut off um, Squid Games to <laughs> Russia during all this. And yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just weird, like like developed nations, um, the things that can be taken away um, at this day and age are so much different than they used to be. Um, it's just yeah. s- strange times we live in for sure. Yeah. All right, boys. Let's uh, let's get a lighter here. Let's uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. Brandon, you're up first. Oh man, um, honestly, I've been playing exclusively Elden Ring. Um, I don't know that I have much more to say on it than I did last week. Um, I feel like I'm kind of hitting a groove, um, and also a wall at the same time. And I don't know how that's possible, but it is. Um, I've been contemplating rebuilding my entire character all week. Um, and I can't figure out what to do about it because the type of character I play is less viable in this game than in some other from games is what mm. is essentially what I'm reading. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll see. I've been really torn. I've been giving it a good fight and I've been fine so far. I'm just a little worried about end game, mm. um, which I apparently I'm still not even close to. Um, I've been doing an excessive amount of exploring um i'm in the we're map clear so i understand yeah Yeah, definitely um but yeah i'm like 40 plus hours now um and i think i've only beaten two main story characters i've beaten many many dragons many many side bosses Mm -hmm. discovered many many items um but it's been awesome really um i was getting a little frustrated last week but i feel like since then i've kind of just just done better and better day over day. So sure. Um, cheers to them. I find new and interesting things in this game every single time I play. Um, and really after 40 plus hours of playing it, I think I've seen probably about half the stuff I'm going to see, um, which is really good because I've liked what I've seen. So right. uh, I'm in for another 40. Honestly, the last time I played a, a dark souls game, dark souls three, um, my first character had like 130 hours into it. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting this one there. Nice. Dave, give us your update on Elden Ring and how many more times you've broken your New Year's resolution. I uh, I, I actually haven't played Elden Ring at all this week in the past. Uh, well, I played it since we last spoke. Uh, got a little bit further, got through Stormville Castle, uh, beat the next big boss. I know some people haven't played it, so I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but yeah, I my levels of stress... In Stormville Castle, which is the first legacy dungeon in the game that you're supposed to go through, were unbelievable. <laughs> there must have been studies done where like people are, are are hooked up to heart monitors just to see like how like stressed are they uh, out there when they're playing these games. Yeah, man, oh man, it was. I, and I'll never forget the first time I fought Father Gascon in Bloodborne. Like I was shaking. It, yeah, it was insane. Yeah. But I mean, that's something you only get from these games. So. Um, so yeah, but after after uh, I got to that point, I stopped playing just because I uh, started to play Gran Turismo 7, which launched 
uh, last Friday. So, so Brandon, why don't you give me your 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 opinion on the game? <laughs> Just kidding. Oh you can't. <laughs> shit! God damn. No, honestly, I'll. I'll I'll kind of start with that. So I came from playing quite a bit of Gran Turismo Sport, and um, it's it's definitely an iterative sort of uh, entry into the series. It's they haven't really reinvented the wheel. If anything, the biggest thing that you get from Gran Turismo Seven is that they really took the response from Gran Turismo Sport to heart and spent a lot of time um, really bringing that that strong and um, and really addictive campaign back into the mix. Mm-hmm. So you spend a lot of time collecting cars, a lot of time, um, you know, starting with just kind of really old sports cars or, you know, not sporty cars, um, you know, racing them. And then you slowly sort of, you know, gain more money and you collect more cars. And next thing you know, you're, you're racing GT3 cars and, and these concept cars and stuff like that. So, uh, you're all doing that through campaign, and I think it does a really, really good job. But again, coming from Gran Turismo Sport, it's it's not a massive jump, and it didn't need to be. I mean, they just polyphony really polyphony really just needed to focus on um, quality over quantity. Like we didn't need twenty new tracks, we didn't need like a million new cars. Like Gran Turismo already had all that, so. I think um, sort of from a high level, I think they took it in a really good direction. I think it's 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 obviously reviewed really well. Um, the game looks fantastic, but it wasn't anything mind-blowing from GT Sport for me personally because it was already almost photorealistic. Um, 60 frames per second is, is obviously great. Um, what you get in the game, and I think this is kind of interesting, is... When you're actually racing, you get 60 frames per second. And when you go into photo mode, you get ray tracing. But you don't have ray tracing when you're actually racing in the game, which is fine because you don't really need it. Um, you're not really admiring vistas as you're as you're cornering and, and driving through, um, you know, uh, all the different racetracks and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it's been great. I've, I've been investing a lot of time into it. I've been getting golds on all my licenses because that's what I like to do when I start playing these games. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you, if you've played Gran Turismo Sport, even if you've, you know, been into Forza, Forza Motorsport or anything like that, like, you know what you're getting here, mm-hmm. um, Ben or Brandon, you can, you can wait a little bit, yeah. you're not missing out on anything like Elden Ring. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I, I, I honestly didn't realize that it was built on the same engine. I thought it was going to be slightly different. Um, no, but I mean, I, yeah, you could really tell that, that. They they spent a lot of time in like building the campaign and other parts and and they they haven't reinvented the wheel here which again isn't a bad thing because they didn't right. need to. So. I mean it was pretty good in GT Sport you know I probably didn't play as much as you did um, but I played a decent amount and I enjoyed what I played so I'll definitely be picking this up at some point. Um, I just got way too much going on right now and that honestly unfortunately even at as strong as it is and what, you know, how well it's rated and what you're saying, other games are just overshadowing it right now. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it's a great problem to have, but. Yeah. And I, I, know, is, I know we have some people um, who listen to the show who, who are playing the game. And uh, one thing I'm really curious to see, and I've, I've already started to hear some of the chatter about this online is they've, uh, they've introduced tuning into the, the multiplayer mode. So, Basically, 
people playing, uh, they're calling it the GT Sport mode, have the ability to tune their car however they want and get into races. And, and races do still have, um, they call them performance points restrictions. So you have to be within a certain threshold to go into a race. You can't just take any car you want. But people are already finding weird little loopholes to to kind of um, you know screw with these rankings. And there's broken cars in the game that are just, you know, you can find a way to actually tune it down so you can get it within. I think there's a car called the the GTV or something like that, where you can actually lower the performance points so you can get it into lower races, but you haven't actually done anything to the horsepower. Uh, and it's just destroying races right now. So by them giving players that freedom to actually tune cars in the GT Sport mode, they might have sort of affected that part of the community, which, you know, all the people coming over from GT Sport, they were playing it for multiplayer. So for me, it will be interesting to see how this, how the multiplayer is. I don't want to say fixed because I don't think it's broken, but Polyphony is going to need to put a lot of attention into how they're going to sort of massage and tease out this this new GT Sport mode in Gran Turismo 7 because if you pour all of your effort and attention into the campaign mode, then you're going to alienate a lot of people who are stuck with GT Sport for a long time. So yeah. I'd be really curious to see how that plays out. And this is exactly why gamers shouldn't be given any power. Because <laughs> <laughs> they soil it. Ain't that the truth? For me, I've uh, been playing two games. Of course, I've been playing Sea of Thieves, and I'll expand more on that here in a minute. I've also been playing Horizon Forbidden West still. Uh, gotten quite a bit further into it. Um, really still enjoying it. Enjoying every moment of it. Loving the map clearing, although I'm mainlining the uh, story a little bit more. Uh, I ran up on a story mission, and it was it's one of those main... Uh, Brandon, for, for lack of spoilers, but so you know what I'm talking about, it, when when we talked about it, it's the the area where you said there's three things you have to do. Go do them. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I went to do one of them, and it ended up taking me hours. And I was very surprised really? how long it took because you had to like. I went there, and it was like you got to go do this other mission, then you got to do this other mission, then huh. you got to do this other mission before you can complete that one. Right. Now, maybe maybe they all aren't all three like that. Yeah. But I was just really surprised. Like it seemed like it would be a quick side mission, and it was really fast. Yeah, I'm sorry. It seemed like it would be quick and it was really long. But anyway, I'm really enjoying it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't hate that it was long. I just wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, so I've been enjoying it. The story's still really good. I'm enjoying all the side missions when I'm doing them. I think they're well written, uh, surprisingly well written for how many there are. Uh, there are, you know, there are some duds here and there. But um, for the most part, I'm really liking it. Good as man. far as uh, Sea of Thieves goes, this is mostly an update on my... Um, on my one of my new year's resolutions the gaming resolutions i said that what i wanted to do was get uh as many of the commendations as possible i said i think i actually said i wanted to complete them all and then i backtracked a little bit and said well the ones that aren't rng dependent i don't know if that's going to happen this year because we're already two and a half months into the into the year and i just looking at them i'm like i don't even know if there's enough time to do this. <laughs> uh like literally if i did it if i non-stop progress towards them i don't know if i could do them all but the one that i'm doing the the uh the arena mode in it which is basically uh, it's five ship versus each other and um, and uh, you'd see who gets the most points. You can get points through hitting other ships with cannons or killing players or digging up chests or whatever. And whoever gets the most points wins. They're shutting it down. It shuts down actually the day this releases on Thursday and to, to the public. And um, they are shutting it down. So all those commendations are going away. So I decided I was grinding it a little bit beforehand because I was trying to get those commendations. And then they announced they were shutting it down. And I was like, I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go and do that. And so I started grinding those. And then 
now I have to grind them. And I am at this point, I am 15 wins away from completing all the accommodations. And there are a ton and they are very time consuming and they are very difficult. Some of them and, and some of it's just totally 100 percent skill dependent. What lobby you get in versus what players are better than you, etc. So it's been a long time coming. It's been a bit of a struggle, but I think I'm going to get there tonight if I play my cards right. I think I'll I think I'll be done. And then it'll be just in time for that mode to go away completely and those commendations will disappear, but I will know I got them all. Uh, <laughs> oh, it unlocks boy. some cosmetics which I'm really yeah, I like I say, really want, but Can you you can still rep it in some way even though the game yeah. mode's going away? Okay, yeah, good. There, there's cosmetics you can only have if you completed all the commendations. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Good. I was I was hoping if you put in the time, you could yeah. have some something to show for it. The thing that sucks is every match is 15 minutes, and there's one particular commendation where you have to win, not just play, win 240 matches. Damn. So that's 240 times 15, plus load time, plus lobby time, plus every game you lose that doesn't count. So, I mean, that one, I obviously started that way before Arena was announced that it was going to be shut down, but uh, it's... It's intense. There's a lot yeah. of them out there. It's a big commitment. Yeah. Dave, what were you going to say? Nothing. I was oh, just okay. uh, saying out of boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's a lot for sure. So that's my goal and I don't know what the next one's going to be. We'll we'll see what the next one I try to knock out is, but yeah, there's so many left that I haven't done and mostly because I like PVP so much, all the ones that are PVE, like there there are things you can steal and get those commendations. There are other ones that like if you don't do the actual voyage or the PVE mission that they tell you to do, you can't get it. So I'm like, oh, my God, I got to I got to actually play the game, not just steal things from people like that doesn't seem very Damn, fun. Ben, you don't want to you don't want to grief people. You actually have to not grief people for once. Oh, that my should God. be a combination. Don't sink anyone tonight. Like <laughs> for for three entire hours, manage to not sing a single player. Yeah. yeah ben so. is literally going to explode by hour two and a half. <laughs> that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. But I think that's that's all I got. That's Damn. all. You guys got anything else? No, that's about it, man. All right, cool. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Remember, you can join us over at uh, patreon.com slash handsome phantom to uh, sign up for a dollar or more a month, as little as a dollar a month, I like to say. Uh, get early ad-free access to the show and help support it. And then also just join our Discord. Whether you're whether you're a patron or not, jump in the Discord and um, we'd appreciate it. We, we like to hang out. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining me. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week. See ya. The HP Podcast is supported by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Jason Canham, Toby Ryland, Chaz Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Boots, Fusebro, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, and H-Trance.